Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 13, verses 10 through 13. Small story about a woman. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And a woman was there. Everybody shout there. Yeah. And she was crippled by a spirit for 18 years. And she was unable to, she was, she was bent over and unable to straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, everybody shout, when Jesus saw her, when Jesus saw her, he called her forth and said to her, woman, you are set free. Then he put his hands on her, shout, put his hands on her. And immediately she straightened up and praised God. Come on, let's give God a hand praise. Hallelujah. Lord, do something special, unique in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Today I bring to an end our series on finding God in Silicon Valley. And if I really the, the subject for this message is that there's healing in the valley. I want to talk about the unique role that women play and the complexity of being a woman in the valley. Just begin by looking at this passage. First thing I should point out is the context. The part of the context of this passage is a debate that's happening between Jesus and the religious leaders about what is appropriate and not appropriate on the Sabbath day. Is healing appropriate on the day of worship and teaching? The broader context, however, is really a bigger debate that Jesus is driving uh, insight, rather, which was to suggest you read about a tree that no longer bears fruit. And he was making the point early on that sometimes religion can become fruitless. Jesus is, in the context of this passage, essentially saying he's uh, more than religion. He is a relationship, and so Luke focuses our attention on him and this woman. That's the context. Everybody shout context. The second thing to note is that the passage starts off in a really fascinating way. Since that Jesus is teaching in a particular synagogue, doesn't name the synagogue. And unlike, I mean, I should point out here that we are sitting in a synagogue. Uh, let's give God a hand praise. We're celebrating Christians sitting in a synagogue worshiping. And back in that day, if you were in a temple, the women sat over here and the men sat over there. But in a synagogue, everybody sat together. And so there was a huge crowd in this synagogue as Jesus was essentially the guest speaker for the day. And Luke wants to call our attention to a particular woman. He says, and the woman was there. Everybody shout there. There. Tell the person next to you, I'm so glad that you're there in that seat. Come on, tell them. I'm so glad. Come on, come on. Turn to the other person. Say, I'm so glad that you're there. I'm so glad that you're there. Just think how the story would have been different for this woman had she not been there. 
had she been some other place on that particular Sabbath day, which for the Jewish community is on a Saturday, her story would have had a different ending. But thanks be to God, she was there. Thanks be to God, you are here today. And let's think about this woman in the text. It dawns on me that her being a woman in that culture, not unlike in this culture, was full of complexity. Can everybody shout complex? It does not declare she could have been a, it's simply, she simply noted as a woman, she could have been a mother or not. She could have been a wife or not. She could have been a widow or not. But whatever role she filled, we know that for some, she was simply seen as a piece of property. For others, she was simply related to as a sex object. And yet for others, she was a part of the family. She was somebody's daughter at the very minimum, a complex role. As I think today about Mother's Day, the women that are here, my fondest memory growing up on Mother's Day when we go to the church and the ladies in the Baptist church that I grew up in, they would come all dressed in white. And the thing that I remember most about those days were, were the hats. <laughs> Everybody shout hats. Those hats, there were big hats and small hats, hats all over the place. And uh, a lot of them were, were, were wide rim hats and, 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 and you know, if two or three women were sitting in front of you, you move that way, the hat move that way, you move that way, the hat move that way, you couldn't see the preacher. And don't get too close because they were wide rim, they cut you. Be careful, be careful, be careful. But it took me some time as I grew up and became a young man and got married before I realized that beneath those hats, those women of elegance and brilliance and beauty and grace, that they lived, not unlike the women in this place, complex lives. Everybody shout complex. I'll give you a couple examples. My wife, whenever she prepares to speak before you all, or when she's preparing to speak in a uh, other, in, another, in a professional public setting as a medical doctor, and if it's a big deal, uh, sometimes it takes her all week to figure out what she's going to wear. <laughs> she's going through the closet, laying out, laying out, laying out, and I, you know, I'm just saying to her, baby, that's, that's really, that's, that's, oh boy, you, should, you look good in that, you should wear that. And she's like, oh no, I know I'm not wearing that. took me some time, you know, the guys, we usually, we make a big deal, we used to say, oh, well, women, they just can't make up their mind, and this and that, and so forth and so on, but the reality was, and I, it took me some time to learn this, the reality was that what Rhonda was, had, had to teach me is that when you get ready to be a public speaker as a woman, it's far more complicated. That, that if you dress too cute, too sexy, then, then the people, they're not taking you seriously. If, uh, you know, they're watching other stuff rather than listening to what you're saying. Come on now. Come on, come on. If you go to the other extreme, they're, they're thinking about that. And so, so you've got you, to find just the right outfit to present yourself in just the right way. Now, I'm a guy. I don't think about that. I just show up, y'all. You say complex. It's complex for women in the valley. 
I talked to a, a woman by the name of Denise Young Smith the other day. She was the highest ranking female and African American, both uh, in Apple for years, reported to Steve Jobs and had a stellar career. And I talked to her about this on yesterday, what it was like to be uh, a female in the valley, if you will, in the context. And she said to me, well, first of all, let's just be clear about it, that, 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 that the, the industry at large uh, is still dominated by men, male and white. That's how she described it. And she says, and it's and unique. She, so she just started telling me some stories about how it's complex for women. She said, she told me a story about one of her friends who was the CEO of a major business and the friend said that when she entered the room, you know, all the other guys were there and from these different companies, and they just related to her as though she was from the CEO's office. She was just a girl from the office, you know. And so that's how they engaged her and had conversation with her. And how shocked they were when it came time for uh, the CEO to, 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 to go up on the stage, and she went up on the stage. Can you say complex? Denise said that it's super complex. She said that if you're in an industry and you're a woman, that so often you hesitate in taking the lead and putting your ideals out there because, because if you're wrong, you're, you're, you're overly scrutinized. And, and so often, she said, women, when they, when they want to ask a question or raise a point, they start off by apologizing. They say, I'm sorry, but can I ask this question? Or, I'm sorry, but can I make this point? Why? I'm sorry. He said, complex. All that's tied to what it means to be a woman in the valley. And so we see that the complexity in its own right in this woman in the text. But the writer wants us to see, if you're reading this in the actual Greek, uh, he, the, the, the actual Greek begins uh, verse 11 with the words, he, he actually says, behold, everybody shout behold. Behold, in other words, he's, and you can pick it up in the New King James Version, for behold, there was a woman there. In other words, take note, I want you to pay particular attention to this, this particular woman because what Jesus does with this woman is going to have implications for all the other women in the synagogue. Watch this. What Jesus does with this woman will also have implications for all the other men in the synagogue. Pay attention to this woman, this woman. Shout this woman. This woman. Then Luke begins to describe her. He says, he says that she has been crippled for by a spirit for 18 years. Well, she's more than 18 years old, so the first insight is that she wasn't always crippled. That there was a time when, when, when life was, in a sense, straight for her. But, but, but then around the 18th year, something happened. Can you shout something happened? We, we don't know what it was, but, but, but whatever it was, a cause left her bent over. The text says she had a... A spirit that was at the source of it. And, 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 and when, when I think of a spirit, what, what, the way I like to understand that really is what the text is saying is that there was an unseen power. We, we, we don't know what caused her to bend over, but we know what kept her bent over. And it was an unseen 
power. Come on, say it. Unseen power. Unseen power. Unseen power. And we think about just the women sitting here listening to me today. You know, there was some time ago, something happened for some of you. And I, I know mothers who, on Mother's Day, it's such a painful because some years ago, they had a child to die. Maybe of violence or of disease. And, and, and in its own way, it left, it left the mother bent over. For some others, there's something happened was really a, a, a wonderful thing. That your career took off, right? And, and, and you found yourself scaling uh, 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 the ladders of success. But what most people don't know is the dialogue that goes on inside of you every day as your career is moving up. And the dialogue is something like this. Uh, 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 should I be home more? Should I be available more? Should I be, uh, uh, am I home enough? Am I available enough? Am I accessible to my kids and my family enough? And so essentially the question that is going on inside of you is really the question, am I enough? And the unanswered questions that some of you women live with around, am I enough, is enough to keep you bent over. Even though, when I look at you, it looks like you're standing straight. And then there, 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 there are the mothers who uh, are at home by choice. I mean, at home because you have the resources to be home with your kids. But what people don't know is that while you love your kids, there's a part of you that feel diminished because you're not in the work world. And then there's the mother who's at home by choice. However, when other mothers see her, they look down their nose at you as though that's all you do. And in all of these different categories, ladies, the fact of the matter is uh, uh, there is some shame or some guilt or some worry or some fear that has you bent over. There is the single woman who is really past the childbearing age. Maybe it just happened a couple years ago, and even if she got married today, uh, uh, she wouldn't be able to give birth to her child. Or there's a couple that just discovered that there's infertility in their lives. At the end of the day, life has a way of leaving us bent over. The text says that she was bent over. Uh, actually, the, the literal translation is that she was bent double. Everybody shout, bent double. It means that she was straight like this at one point, but then to be bent double means to go as low as possible. Bent double. It suggests that there was a time in her life when she was open, when she was trusting, when she really believed, but because life hurts. Come on now. And life has a way of wounding us deeply that, that, that it caused her to bend double. It caused her to become, in a sense, it has caused some of you to become closed and controlling and fearful. Bent double. Can you say bent double? Double. She could not straighten up. Then comes some good news. Shout good news. Good news, good news, good news. And I love this. Uh, here she is. She's been double. And, 
and, and, and most likely she's in a packed synagogue because Jesus is the, is the guest speaker and everybody wants to see him. He's at the height of his, of his popularity. And, and, and I'm sure she doesn't want to be seen. She just wants to be in the crowd. I, I, I'm sure like some woman that God is speaking to even through this message this morning, uh, she doesn't want to be seen. She just want to be in the crowd because you know after all she's bent over. And so she feels a sense of shame and, 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 and worry about how she's going to be perceived. And so she's probably somewhere in the crowd. But the text says that as Jesus is teaching, he sees her. Tell the person next to you, Jesus sees you. He sees you. He sees you. And then when, he, when Jesus sees you, he doesn't just see the external. Come on now. He sees all of you. And what I like about Jesus, the only reason I'm up here preaching today is that, 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 that Jesus has the ability to see some folk that are invisible to others, but he sees them, y'all. He sees them. He sees you. Go ahead, celebrate that. That's right. He sees the invisible. He sees you. He sees you. And notice the text does not suggest that the woman asked for any help. As a matter of fact, she's trying to stay out of his sight. But she, he sees her. And then Jesus takes the initiative. Watch this. He sees her and he calls her forward. He, 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 he says he tells her to, to come forth. Now notice, he does not call her by name. Because he doesn't know her name. He doesn't say, Susan, come here. Secondly, the text does not say he points at her. Because you would think he would at least point at her and say, you, 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 come here. The text doesn't say that. The text says he looks at her and calls her fool. Well, now, I, I, I had to go back to my childhood to get this. And I, I, I kind of understand what he means at this moment. When, I, when, when, when my mom used to take me to church long before the church was in me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on now. And she was an, what we called an usher. We called them host here, but we was what we called an usher on post. And she'd be at the back door and I'd be somewhere midway. Come on now. And it'd be in a crowded place like this. And I figured she can't see me. And, and, and so because she can't see me, I'm whispering and talking. And, uh, in her words, I'm clowning the food. Come on now. And, and, and I might be doing all kinds of crazy stuff, but, 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 well, everybody else singing and I'm, I'm, I'm clowning the food, right? And, 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 but then something cold hits my back. <laughs> and nobody else noticed it. Nobody else knows it, but I feel it. Something cold had hit my back. And so I gradually turn around. And when I gradually turn around, come on now, I catch my grand aunt. Her eyes are right on me. It's amazing how she could communicate with her eyes. Come on now. Uh, she could say a whole paragraph and never open her mouth. <laughs> That's what happened, I believe, that, that when the woman looked up, Jesus' eyes of grace, Jesus' eyes of love, Jesus' eyes of hope was right on her. And when he said, come forth, he knew she knew exactly who he was talking to. Let's think about the courage it took for her to leave her place in a crowdedness and to come out in front of everybody. And notice, as she is walking on Mother's Day, Jesus declares before she gets to him, you are set free. The first insight that comes from that basic point is that part 
of how we are set free from the, from the, from the woundedness and from, the, and from those dialogues that we don't discuss with anybody else. Part of how we're set free from that unseen power that is influencing us and keeping us bent. Part of how we're set free is for us to be prepared to expose what we've kept secret. Come out in front. So he calls this woman. But as he calls this woman, he's not just dealing with her. He's teaching all the other women. And he's dealing with all the other men. Let, let me suggest, come on now, that the men in the place, some of them was bent too. In as much as being bent over is a metaphor, let me suggest that, that, that perhaps some of the men here today listening to me, maybe some of you are bent over too. You, you don't look bent over. You look solid and strong and healthy and wealthy. But, but, but if when you see a woman, all you see is a sex object, you've been over. If when you see... A woman, all you see is somebody to come home and wash the dishes and carry the kids. You're bent over. If, if, if she's good enough to sleep with and to stay with but not marry, you've bent over. You've been over. Jesus says, I want, I, want, I want to deal with this woman, but I want to deal with everybody who's bent over. He says, Watch this. Here's where the text gets rich. Shout good news. Yes. All right, watch this. Watch this. So the healing in the text has two steps. First, he pronounces her. You are set free. But she hadn't gotten to him. She's in route. And she's still bent over. She hasn't straightened up. And then the text says, in verse 13, it says, then he puts his hands on her. Say it with me. Then he puts his hands on her. Now, when I first read that text, all of the negative connotation of men putting their hands on women comes to surface. I remember my grand aunt, she tell me when I was growing up, she said, boy, I don't care if you ever get in a fight with a girl, don't you put your hand on a girl. That was her way of saying, don't you ever hear, if you want to demonstrate what kind of man you are, show your manhood by your restraint. That's what she would tell me. Come on. And so when you think about it, when you hear this, the first thing that you read, when you say, he put his hands on her. The first thing, if you're a woman, I'm sure you think about all of the negative experiences where men have put their hands on you and, and violated you and abused you physically and sexually and otherwise. You think of the times where men have put their hands on you. You went to a doctor and, uh, for health to, to take care of you and he put his hands on you wrongly. You went to your CEO for a promotion and he put his hands on you wrongly. You, you came to your pastor for counseling and he put his hands on you. I, I just want to take just a moment and say because I know that this has happened in churches and and some of my colleagues, my senior pastor colleagues, men of power, some of the youth pastors I, 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 have put their hands on young women wrongly. 
And, and some of you are saying, look, it was, it was my fault. It, 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 and you're tied up, bound up by the faith, by, the, by, by all of the guilt. But let me just remind me, I told my staff this just last week as we were talking about this dynamics. I said, listen, now, the, the one who has the power, the pastor, the boss, come on now, that, that whoever has the power, that's the one who has the responsibility to protect and not wound. Come on now. So when we first read this, we get that imagery. Oh, but then we realize we're not talking about our ex-boss. Come on now. We're not talking about a wayward pastor. We're not talking about a, a, a misfit doctor. Come on now. We're talking about Jesus, y'all. Come on now. And, 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 and the inside of the text is that if Jesus is allowed to put his hands, come on now, on your life, he can reverse all of the wounded touches of your yesterday. He can heal you. Why? Because when he touches you, he imparts unconditional love. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? I said unconditional. See, when men take advantage of you, they, they impart conditional love. But Jesus says, I'm going to touch you with unconditional love. So the first point is, 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 is watch this now. Okay, watch this. So he heals her. That means, men, he's modeling for us now. In order to heal her, he's using his power. He's using the authority that it comes because he's not only fully human, he's fully God. And he has some power and he has some authority. And so when Jesus puts his hand on this woman, remember she didn't initiate it. He saw her by compassion and he saw her sense of purpose. And he, he, he engages with her. He uses his authority and power, come on now, to, to, to set her free, to elevate her, to bless her. So men, come on now, what is he teaching those of us who have power and influence? influence and authority he said look come on you can help women heal by using your authority to bless them to elevate them to 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 to, to help them to get to the next level how you use your authority can be a part of their healing all the men in the house say i hear you pastor i hear you come on Then comes another insight from the text. Watch this. I like this. Since Jesus is a man who's using his authority appropriately and is helping to heal what has historically been wounded, he reminds all of us, listen up ladies, listen up ladies, that not every man is a bad man. Come on, not every man is a dog. Come on now. Not every pastor is running after somebody else. Come on now. Not every doctor is trying to take advantage of you. Not every man is a bad. As a matter of fact, this place is full of some good men. Come on now. Good men who are fathers to their kids. Good men who show up and sacrifice for their wives. Good men who are sons for their mothers. Thank God for good men. Listen, women, listen, women. And here's the one you have to make sure you avoid. Stop punishing good men who are in your life today. 
for all of the junk that bad men did yesterday. Recognize the good men, the bosses, the good men, the people who are trying to help you make it. The good men, recognize the good men that God has put in your life. As a matter of fact, women, if you go home and if you know a good man, you ought to tell him, thank you for being a good man. And then finally, listen to me. The text says, that she's, she, he puts her hand she's, and says, immediately, shout immediately. immediately. Notice, 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 notice. In other healing scenarios, Jesus just touched with one hand. In this particular scenario, he puts both hands. Because part of, let me, part of what women in particular and all of us in general we deal with is not only the guilt. Not only the fear that we're not good enough, not on the worry that that somehow, somehow we've dropped the ball so terribly that our kids will never recover. But 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 part of it is the uncertainty and the doubt that grips us that when life kicks us in the gut and we lose a child or or, a marriage falls apart in divorce, we begin to ask the question, is God real? Does God know what he's doing? Is God active in my life? Can God actually redeem bad and turn, bring good out of it? Does God know my name? Has he, has he passed by my address any time recently? Does he live in my neighborhood? Does God know who I am? And he says he used both hands. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because when I was in college and, and was in politics in college, and I was asking for people to vote. I'd reach out. I learned the difference between shaking hands, shaking. You know, one person, you can shake somebody's hand like this. Say, how you doing? He said, fine. That's a, that's, a casual, that's a casual shake. But if you really wanted to assure them of, your, of to be confident, you take both hands. And you say, now nah, you can trust me. Come on now. You ought to vote for me because I, I got both hands. Come on now. This is the affirmation. I, I, I've got you fully in my grip. Come on, both hands. Say both hands. Both hands. Communicate something. And here's what Jesus is saying. Come on now. Jesus is saying, I'm going to put both hands on you because I want to assure you that you can trust my love. Y'all ain't listening. You can trust my forgiveness. You can trust, come on, the hope that I offer. Even though I, don't, I haven't answered all your your questions yes I'm for you yes I love you therefore you are set free come on everybody shout from what come on ladies he's saying you're set free from having to be perfect you ain't listening come on she's been down come on now he said you don't have you're set free from having to be a perfect mom and a perfect career person you are set free just be faithful come on now and I'll handle the rest Come on, shout set free. Come on, you are set free from feeling like everything you've ever done determines the destiny for your kids. That's just not true. Come on now. There are some good parents who've raised some bad kids. There are some bad parents who've raised some good kids. 
Therefore, the destiny of your kids will never fully rely, rely on what you do. Come on now. God says, I've set you free. You are not your kid's savior. Just be the best parent you can be and point them to the real savior. Shall set free from what? From beating yourself up again and again and again for stuff that, that God declares. Come on now. Even if you make a mistake, just confess it and let it go because God says, I've let it go. And when you really believe that, that Jesus, come on now, lays his firm hand of grace and forgiveness and empowerment on your life. He's setting you free, man or woman, to become the best you can be. Come on now. Under his authority, under his power, come on now, empowered by his spirit and his vision. And when that woman got it, y'all ain't listening, it says immediately she stood straight up. Come on now. She was set free to be who God called her to be. And she stood straight up praising God. Praising God. Praising God. I might conclude this point here. While good people can imitate Jesus, and we sure as his followers, there is no Come on now. You can imitate him, but you can't fully replicate him because there is but one Jesus. So I just want to say before you come to the man, come on, before you try to, before you go to anybody else, go to Jesus and hear the message that comes from him. Because if Jesus loves you, you can handle all the haters in the world. Come on. Go to Jesus. Because if Jesus has grace for you, you can let your guilt go. Go to Jesus. He's the one who says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and to give you a future with a hope. And if I'm prepared to give it to you, can anybody snatch what I'm giving? Come on, give God a hand praise.